Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, and pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and also syndicated on missionsradio.org and liveleadplay.com. The family structure and foundation is really important to me because it's the number one defense against teenage substance abuse, pregnancy, depression, stress, and so much more. My Amazon number one best-selling book called Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership, 15 Simple Tips Successful Companies Use That Families Can Implement at Home, is really a key to creating a family that's productive, harmonious, and unified in values, missions, visions, and goals. It helps parents make a conscious choice on their family foundation, structure, and culture, going to give you very easy, digestible, concrete tools that you can start right now. And the great thing is, because I know how busy we are as parents, it's only 30 pages of content, and you're going to be able to finish this book before your lunch break is even over. The link to purchase the book is in the show notes, or you can just search it on Amazon. It's called The Amazing Itty Bitty Book on Family Leadership. So school's back in session. All of us parents know it, and are you dreading the nightmare of getting your children to do homework? Do you wonder what you can do differently? Well, our guest today has some key answers for that. She's a mom of two sons. She's been on our show before. You can look at the show number 36. It's about setting limits to your children and for your family. Her eldest son, was born needing multiple heart surgeries, and her youngest encountered medical challenges as well. She found herself struggling with regular old day-to-day parenting, like we all do. So she decided to dig in deep, learn why parenting could feel so tough even when you had all the love in your heart and the best of intentions. She found her answer in hand-in-hand parenting. She loves sharing that info with other parents, and she's here to share it with you today because love is great, but you need skills that work too. So I'd like to introduce you to Abigail Wald. Hi, Abigail. Hi, Jacqueline. It's lovely to be with you again. And every time I hear about your book, I just think I love it. I love this information that you're sharing with parents. It's so great. Parents really need support, and we need quick and easy and concrete things we can do to help turn the day around sometimes. So thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, thank you. So tell me about hand-in-hand parenting. I know it's a very unique process and you are a resource for it. Yes, I am. I'm a certified instructor for hand-in-hand parenting and I consult with parents individually. I go into schools and I talk with groups. What I love to do is offer parents the support that I was personally able to find. The thing about hand-in-hand parenting is that it really dovetails beautifully with what we now know is going on in our brains as mammals. And when you look at the neuroscience that we've been able to understand over the last 30 to 40 years and 
we can really look at what's happening for our children, not just from a disciplinary standpoint of like so many of the parenting modalities and the parenting advice that parents get out there are really geared toward this end point. Like I want you to learn to just sit down and do your homework, for instance, right? And so we just tell the child to sit down and do their homework, but there's actually a process that needs to happen in the brain for that to happen. And when we focus on the end result, what we wind up in is power struggles. And it goes that way for homework, for absolutely anything that we're really dealing with with our children. If we can learn to help them rise up to the occasion instead of sort of, I I like in parenting to almost like you can either put a noose around a child's head and kind of lead them like a donkey, which is really what most parenting methodologies actually get you to do either through bribes or threats or punishment. So that's sort of a traditional parenting methodologies, kind of everywhere you look, it's really coercive parenting for the most part. Yeah, I agree. I talk about the donkey method. It's pain or pleasure. We think that pain gets people going. So yell louder, punish more, and that supposedly works. But like you said, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, we parents, we're we're not that well resourced because we're tired and our society doesn't actually provide us with resources. It's constantly demanding more of us. And we're just keep trying to put out more and more and more without learning how to put in for ourselves first. And then So we're empty and then we're trying to just get this end result from our kids and then we think there's something wrong with them or something wrong with us when it doesn't happen right away. And the thing about hand-in-hand parenting is we provide parents with five tools that really help get yourself resourced and resource your child so that ultimately, yeah, you get the end result, but A, you actually do get an end result that works for everybody, which you don't in the other methods, but also you get something far greater than that at the end of the day. You know, you get this relationship, which is really what we're all after, right? Like we didn't have a kid so the kid would sit down and do their homework. We had a child because we wanted to have this experience of connection and beauty of another human being and learning to listen to them and having them help us grow and having us help them grow. And that's really what we're after. And we forget that in those moments of just like, I got to get the table set and dinner on the table and I need you to do the homework. It's like, you know, all that goes out the window. And it's like, we get so attached to this idea that like homework needs to be done by 4.59 so dinner can be on the table by five or my life is going to be over. And it it goes beyond that. There's lots of other stuff going on there too. But yeah, so that's what hand-in-hand parenting does. And I'm actually the founder of Real-Time Parenting. And so what I do at realtimeparenting.com is I help parents go through that. I teach them um, the five tools of hand-in-hand parenting. And I also do some other work as well, individually with parents and group. Yeah. Awesome. So homework. This is, I think, huge for every parent. <laughs> what can be the source of so many arguments, I think, in a year's time? Oh, yeah. Why do you think it's such a huge source of argument? Yeah, I think it's for sort of some of the reasons that I just touched on in that really becomes that it's, it's just another flashpoint for any of those power struggles that we have as you know, whether it's sleep or homework or video games or whatever the things are, right? Let's take a look directly at homework. What's going on is you've got both the parent and the child struggling in different ways. Everybody's bringing a lot to that game. And so we can look at the parent side of it, maybe. And for the parent, there's a lot of things going on. First of all, like we said, it's sometimes the end of our workday. We're trying to get stuff finished before, you know, we feel like we can end a day. We're trying to maybe buy some more time for ourselves. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're just trying to get dinner on the table. Maybe we're having our own fears of our own memories of homework that might be boiling up for us without us even realizing. Maybe it's all just about our own desire for our child to do really well in school or our idea that we've already decided that like, if you don't do well in homework, you're not going to do well in school, you're not going to do well in life. 
And so there's so much energy that can come into those moments. Sometimes it's not even knowing how to deal with it. Sometimes it's a parent going, every single time it winds up into a fight. So I just want to get it over with before there's a fight. And of course, that's going to lead to a fight. A lot of it is this attachment we have to we know the best way to make it happen. And we just want our child to meet us there. And when they can't meet us there, we worry about them. We worry about us. So it's all of that stuff that we mentioned from the parent perspective. Yeah, it's a big cycle that seems like a black hole that we keep going down. Yeah, it's that thing of like, maybe this time when I go down the black hole, it'll turn out differently. It's like, no, we got sucked into the vortex. It's happening again. Yeah, I know. I used to be where, let's just get it. I'm, I'm the kind of person that does not like to procrastinate. So I just want to get it over with. And that way, the rest of the time I can relax. And sometimes I think that's how other people think. But when I learn about my children more, I realize that there are times where they're just overwhelmed with school and everything, and they just need that break, and then they can focus again. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that brings us to the children's perspective Yeah, of what's happening with homework, which is our kids have had an incredibly full day. And we have no idea of the dramas that have happened for them all day long. Whether it's just that the carrots were gone when they got to the snack bowl and there's no more carrots. Oh, and now they had to eat the stupid celery or they didn't eat or their lunch spilled or maybe they got called up to do a math problem in school and it was really embarrassing and they had a horrible day. Maybe their best friend didn't invite them to a party they found out about elsewhere Maybe somebody refused to play with them. Maybe they had a moment where they were in dodgeball and everybody looked at them to hit the ball and they messed it up. There's just so many things that happen during the course of a day that cause disconnection for a child. It cause like having a stuff in feeling, especially as children get older and they're now in a public setting. They learn very quickly that it's very hard to let their feelings out. We're not set up in school or in society to just accept people's feelings. And, you know, now we've got 25 people with feelings in a room. And so the idea is like, feelings have no place here. Let's move on because stuff needs to happen. And so it's eight hours of that, eight hours of stuffing their feelings of what happened on the school bus, of stuffing their feelings of what happened at lunch, what happened during the morning, what happened in the afternoon, what happened after school. Maybe you were late picking them up because there was traffic. It's not your fault, but they were sitting there feeling embarrassed, like whatever's going on for them, you know, and now they get with you. And if the first thing we do is like, let's get that homework done. It feels almost like a betrayal. Sometimes it feels like are you kidding me? I've had to do this all day. This is my moment to show you everything I've been through. And that doesn't mean they're going to talk about it. They may be totally silent. They're, you know, some kids are chatterboxes and they're like, oh my goodness, let me tell you what happened at lunch. And yeah. after that. But like a lot of kids are just like, uh, and don't fake that shrug. Like we parents mistake that shrug of like, uh, I guess nothing happened. It's like, oh no, that, that means a lot happened. And it's actually those silent kids who have more to process, right? They have a different way to process it. They're going to need some time to decompress. And what happens is sometimes as parents, we're like, well, what happened, right? And maybe the child can't talk about it. Maybe they don't want to talk about it. They don't need to necessarily. What they need is connection. It just, it's that moment of filling that cup, of making some empty space for the child to arrive and doing what Gordon Neufeld calls them, collecting your child. I love that phrase. Yeah. So collecting them with your eyes, with your arms, saying, hey, you're back. I love you, right? Space, space. What is it you want to do right now? Yeah, you're here. 
And that space can bring up a well of feelings for a child to let go of everything they've been holding all day. And maybe they just walk off and they go in a corner and read and that's okay. You can go sit by them and read, or maybe they want to go play handball with you. Maybe they want to play with their brother or sister, you know, maybe they just want to check out and finding a way to, even if they're going to choose to check out, to sort of silently be with them until they start opening their world up to you. It's like a flower. Like you can't like peel it open. You have to just sort of provide some soil, some water, some sunshine, wait till it opens up and sort of leans toward you. And then you're there. Yep. It's like the true leadership, yeah. you know, true leaders follow from behind. Yes. And that's what we are as parents. We follow them from behind yeah. and just allow them. And we course correct a little bit, yeah. but in general, you're right. Some kids do need that quiet time first before they start talking yes. about it. And other kids are the opposite. They start chattering and then they, in the car, when you pick them up and then they get home and then they're off in their little space. Yeah. Yeah. And they need food. The, yes. They do. They really need food for their brain to work. They need protein, not just junk food, because sometimes they're filling themselves up on snacks and treats and stealing their friends' treats and trading stuff and getting so busy that they forget to eat. And so that's a great time in the day to provide them a really healthy snack, some nuts or some protein, you know, something to get them going again and settle that brain again. And then some good healthy fats for their brain, really good stuff and, and get them resettled like emotional food, physical food, resettling connection. And then at that point, it's appropriate to start talking about maybe when do you think a good time? Like what is some of the stuff that we've got to do for the rest of the day? What's on our plate? We've got dinner, we've got bath time, we've got bedtime. And oh yeah, and I wonder if we've got any homework, what's happening, right? And, yeah, yeah. 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 I was growing up in our family. Homework didn't come until after we finished dinner and cleaned up. Mm. And like you said, you need that brain food to get into your system and we've had time to talk as a family around dinner time and coming from an Asian family, meals were always done together. Yeah. And then we would all clean up together, we would help everything. And so then it was like an easy flow to write into homework because we just clear the dinner table. Yeah. So we all bring our homework out yeah. and my dad would sit there and if we need help, he was there. If not, he just did his own work. Oh, you should bring up such a key point, Jacqueline. I think that is such a beautiful point. One of the things I wanted to talk about is that we parents tend to think like homework, some of us think that homework is something that like, it's kind of like between you and yourself or you and your teacher. It's like your job, you know, and we think like, if I help you, then you'll never grow independent. There's a beautiful kind of help, which is really the kind you're talking about with your dad, where somebody's present, but they're not leading it. They're not forcing it. They're just there in the same way your toddler learns to negotiate maybe some rocky cliffs that you're hiking through. You keep your hand just there at the ready. You don't hold their hand and grab it because you want them to learn their own balance, but you're also not like off 20 feet away. You know, you're right there in case they need a hand. It's that same kind of presence that's so helpful during the homework. And I think parents, we think, oh, well, I don't know what you're doing in math, so I can't help you. Or, And again, that can come from old wounds of parents. Maybe they think like, oh, I'm terrible at math. Let's be honest. This is second grade math much of the time. You can do three times six. You know what I mean? Like you really can. And so it's about sitting there and it's not about like going like, well, you know, why don't you know this and all that stuff, but just sitting like three times six. Oh, golly. I wonder how we might, what do you do with that? When letting your child teach you the way that their teacher teaches them. It's always wonderful to take the lesser role, to sort of play around with it, like three sixes? Or is that six three? What is, is that different? 
sort of take the lesser role and like let them teach you. Because that's what will turn on their own inner confidence. And so we yeah. play around with it. We could take fun to take with math. You can take, you know, whatever, three almonds and six almonds. And you know, what do you do with them? And all of that stuff, right? And yeah, have silly, goofy stuff you do with it, right? So if I make this face six times, or I do that three times, whatever it is, you know, we can have fun. And, and it's that sense of connection or just cuddling, just having your child. I used to have one of my kids do math on me while I would read a book. And it, just the fact that they were sitting on my lap made them capable of doing it. It gave them that extra sense of confidence and connection. And so even if we don't know a subject, that kind of plug-in, emotional plug-in, I just want to encourage parents not to underestimate that. Yeah. I had four younger sisters growing up. I'm the oldest and my youngest is uh, six years younger. And we were sitting around the table with my dad there it wasn't just him helping us. We were also helping each other. Yeah. And so that's what I've instilled in my family is that I'm there with my kids. But sometimes my daughter will be like, I, I know how to help. Let me help him. Yeah. Like you were saying, it encourages her to be a teacher and it encourages her to also voice what she knows. Yeah. So she feels proud of that. We do it together and not just like me overseeing and making sure that they're doing it. It ends up being something that we all learn from. Yes. And that teaching by wondering about it is so great as well. And, and as you said, yeah. teaching together and being interested in the subject, not just like, well, what do you need to do to get the answer? But like, oh, wow. So wait, so if a train is going 50 miles an hour, that's pretty fast. Okay. So, you know, like you're interested. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Um, uh -huh. And oh, what's this book? And oh, wow. You know, you're writing a character study about that book. That's interesting. I haven't yeah. to be interested in it. And yeah, I remember uh, my kids were in the younger grades, kindergarten or first grade, and we would have math. And I'm like, let's take out some nuts. Okay, three almonds, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and we do it on the table or something just to visualize it yeah. and make it fun. Okay, now let's eat it afterwards. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> fun stuff. Homework is really important. I think not just as a learning tool, what do you think of this? I mean, what your thought is, but it also is a way for us to connect as families. Oh, yeah. As children get older and older, there is less and less time. When you think about it, like yeah. we feel like we've got all these years with our kids, right? You know, and I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but it, it's kind of mind blowing when you think about like, you have an infant for a year, you have a toddler for a few years, a couple years, and you've got this preschooler for three years, and you've got an elementary school kid for six years, and then you've got a middle schooler for three years, a high schooler for four years, and they're gone. Please God, they're still in our lives, of course, but they're not necessarily in your home. And this time we spend is very precious. And as they're getting older and older into the age where homework is really starting to matter, now we're spending ever less time with them. We're dropping them off at school, maybe at 7 a.m. unless we're homeschooling. And, and then, you know, we're picking them up at three. Maybe there's after school practices. Maybe we're picking them up at six. Then you've got bedtime and still got a shower and get all the homework done. Your time together is really precious. And then there's weekend activities and they're starting to get social. So, I mean, yeah, there are precious few hours in the week where you're really spending family time. And so, Learning to use those times, those car rides, those homework moments, the times of getting dressed, the times of brushing our teeth as connection times yep. is ever more critical because we are, we're built to be bound to people and we're also built to seek our own independence. Well, and if parents aren't the ones providing that 
primary sort of sun power energy for their planet, they're going to seek that sun power energy elsewhere. And very often that becomes friends. And at the end of the day, friends are wonderful, but they are never going to have your children's best interest at heart in the same way that parents do. For friends, even if it's your your child is their best friend, that could change. Your child being your child will never change. You are the only people who care about your child in that way, you know, and that's for any parent, a parent who's taken on the role of parent who may not have been the biological parent, but they're now a parent. Any parent who takes on that mantle of parenthood, right? Yeah. Yeah. We are then that child's greatest advocate. And it's up to us to create that sun power energy. And we've got to get that in the day, even in the midst of all these routines. How can you help support your children with homework? Okay. So one of the things that we talked about is definitely using that time as connection in and of itself, right? Right, right. But one of the things you can do also, and this is a wonderful tool from Hand in Hand Parenting called Special Time. So when a child first comes home, you know, once they've been fed and all that stuff, you can offer them special time. And this looks different for different ages, right? So the younger a child is, you can just out and out come out and say, hey, would you love to have some special whatever, you know, junior mama, t- mama time? You know what I mean? Like your child's yeah. junior, right? I like that. I've never said that anymore. <laughs> you can say that and the child will often say yes. If a child says no or they're reticent, then you can just sort of get involved in what they're getting involved in. They're interested in something and you can come alongside, sort of gently peek around the edges and start playing with them silently and say then later like, wow, I'm so glad we had this special time together. I would love to play with you doing anything you like. I hope we can try to do this every day. And you can sort of help the child come in by coming in through the back door. Some children will respond through the front door. Some children, you need to come in through the back door and sort of sidle up to them very quietly. And that's truer and truer the older a child gets often. So the older a child gets, it may look like even on the weekend time, learning to come in and sort of maybe even looking at their video game. And instead of just, you know, you have 15 minutes left going like, oh, wow. Oh, you totally got it. Like, like, ooh, what happens if you eat those? Whoa, that's a power up, huh? Learning and being with them. And can I play? Will you teach me? And getting, you know, would you like to spend 10 minutes just playing with me? And then you can start calling that your special time or whatever you want to call it, any name you think will work for your child. And then you can start building that in on the homework days so that when they come home, hey, should we not do homework? Should we just have that time together? And so instead you start building that in even before homework. It's going to really help seat your child well to go into then the challenges of homework. Then another thing you can do, you know, we talked a little bit about play, letting, playing around it, like, oh, I gotta do homework. You know, rather yeah. paint the house, <laughs> rather <laughs> tarred and feathered. But, you know, you can, you yeah. can play. Oh, don't be afraid to allow those feelings to come for it. We can, we can allow the reticence and still know, I know it's gotta get done. We tried to do it upside down today. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, right. Let's see how many math problems we could do upside down. And you can lie down upside down with them while they try to do a math problem. Right. Humor always changes the atmosphere. Yeah. So that's really a great thing to bring in. And then I think something really worth discussing is what happens when there's really a struggle? What happens when your child really needs to cry or gets mad? Because that's another way we can really support our child through homework is let's be real. Sometimes homework is really annoying. Sometimes it feels stupid. 
sometimes it feels like a waste of time and their time is already so scheduled and they've got like other things that are really valuable that they need to get done, like play. And that's one of the reasons why the special time beforehand is really helpful because it can stave off some of that I never get to play feeling because you've actually filled their cup with play before you even try to do homework because play is a necessary thing. It's like food and water, okay? It's necessary. When we're like, yeah, 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 you'll play later. It really, it's almost like saying to somebody like, you'll breathe later. It's necessary for them. It's really important to understand the value of that. But then let's say we've done all that or, or let's say a child still feels like they haven't had enough to play or they don't feel listened to. They might be using that struggle about homework to, there's so many things that can come from. Like maybe a child is actually wondering about themselves. Like I'm afraid I don't have it. I'm afraid I can't cut it. I see other people going ahead of me. I feel stupid. I feel like maybe I don't like my school. Maybe I don't feel like the school is right for me. Maybe I'm not feeling supported. Maybe I've got a teacher who's mean. Or maybe I actually have no problem with homework, but my heart is so filled up with the horrible things my supposedly best friend said to me today that I can't even focus on two plus two, even though I know it. There are so many things that could be going on for our child in that moment. And sometimes they'll use that moment as a, we call it a broken cookie moment, but where it's like, they're going to cry over the broken cookie, but it has nothing to do with the broken cookie. It has to do with the fact that like their sister got a full cookie. They got a broken cookie. They feel like they never get anything that their sister always has a better life. They always get the short end of the stick and they're going to use this cookie to like cry about those other deeper feelings. Yeah. Yeah. It's the straw that broke the camel's back, but it's just that last one. It's not. Right. And so sometimes kids will use homework as that pretext. And when we don't listen to the fullness of that and acknowledge it and know how to ride that wave of those feelings, then what happens is we cut off that learning period. We actually like are like, you know, don't focus on what your friend said, just do the homework. It's like, oh no, no, no. Like this is that moment to have an incredible growth for your child where they're going to let out all that hurt and they're going to experience you as their best friend there to hold it with them. And you're going to say to them, wow, you know, that was hard. Mm, yeah, I'd love to hear more if you want to share. And, oh, tell me more about it. Or just, you don't have to talk about it. I'm here for you. I believe in you. I don't know how you're going to figure this out, but I know that you will. And I'm here if you have questions. I believe in you. And you just let them have that moment. They'll find that inner confidence when they get the chance to offload, when they get the chance to cry or scream or talk about how much they hate school without you trying to correct it. We always want to jump in and fix it. And they get the chance to have those feelings and you silently can be the container for those feelings and go, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I get it. I'm here for you. Of course. Sometimes we all feel that way. I believe in you. I know you're going to figure this out. You're going to rise up. Yeah. Yeah. And you just wait and you trust in your child's ability to do it. And it's hard as a parent, but you will see they will find their way. And when they find their way, they own it. That's how you get a child to own homework is you get them to own their way to it. If you're always showing them the way, you're always in charge. You're always going to be like that kind of leader that's not the positive kind of leader. And then you're going to feel resentful of like, oh, why do I always have to be the one? Well, because you may not have ever given your chance to own their child, the chance to own their path to their homework. Right. So this is about that growth that we always hear, the growth mindset. Can you explain? Well, growth mindset, yes. And growth mindset is actually even another wonderful, it's it's a slightly different idea, which I'm so glad you brought that up. That's another fantastic 
thing to put into this homework. And you're right, that actually does touch a little bit on this idea of, you know, you will figure it out. That does dovetail into that growth mindset. And yet growth mindset is really about, it's just so fantastic. If any of you want to look up, there's a Carol Dweck does a beautiful TED talk about it that I highly recommend all parents check out. And you just look up Carol Dweck, TED Talk, Growth Mindset, and you'll find it. It's beautiful. Maybe you can even link to it on this. Really what growth mindset is, is this idea of the power of yet and the power of not yet. They did these studies where they went into areas where children had performed poorly. They were having very poor support and the schools weren't doing well. The kids weren't doing well. The parents weren't doing well socioeconomically, academically, these places where kids had really traditionally struggled. And they went in and they just did a few quick changes. They they started telling the kids, like, first of all, every time you fail, every time you don't know an answer, every time you make a mistake, like, that's awesome. You just got smarter. This, you know, Thomas Edison has this wonderful quote, which is, I haven't failed once. I've only learned 10,000 ways it won't work. Right, right. Right. So that idea, that's growth mindset. That this that there is no such thing as a mistake. That mistake is a building block in learning how it is going to work. Yes. And so you've actually moved forward. And when we focus on the idea that, oh, seven times nine is not 62. Ooh, well, we learned what seven times nine is not. And we learned that maybe we need to focus more on how the nines work. And there's these cool tricks about the nines. Can I show you some secrets of how the nines are super cool? And your child may or may not be ready for that because maybe they want to struggle some more. That's the thing. Kids want to struggle. And we'd always try to get them out of it. They want to struggle because struggle is good. Struggle is necessary. So when we're trying to give a child an answer. It's like the chicken trying to get out yes. of the egg. If you help them, they actually die. It's the struggle that gets their blood That's moving right. and their brain pumping. And so the That's struggle is right. what connects the synapses, which then creates more synapses yes. and brain growth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that way I know I can get out of the egg. If I know I can get out of the egg, I know someday I'm going to learn how to walk and someday I'm going to learn how to get a worm or whatever it is that I need to do. I think it's very empowering when they can figure something out for themselves. Yes. Do chickens eat worms? I don't grow up on a farm. <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. <laughs> I need to learn about chickens. I just learned. <laughs> but yeah, so it's that thing of really that idea that children are after the struggle. When we teach them that struggle is beneficial, the struggle is them learning. And then the other last thing that really about this growth mindset is this idea of, ooh, well, you haven't figured that one out yet. Using that idea of yet. Well, not yet, but you will. That concept is very empowering and very enticing. And after using this growth mindset stuff for one year, they went in, um, they were using it in some Navajo communities, I believe. And I think it was Navajo and, and also in the Bronx. And then they were using it in Seattle area in some areas that were really economically depressed. And it was so interesting because at the end of the year, they took these, I think they were high schoolers. At the end of the year, they took these kids and they found that they outperformed the kids of the Microsoft kids by the end of the year just by applying this growth mindset thinking. Isn't that amazing? Yes. Amazing. Just the way we talk to the children yes. that gets them to perform better. And I know some of it has to do with just praising them, how you praise them. You don't say, oh, you're so smart. It's like, wow, look at the work that you've done. Yes. So you're acknowledging the growth part of it. So yes. it's really an yeah. amazing, when we, yeah. When we acknowledge the end result, children actually do worse and worse and worse yep. after each test because they there's only you can only go down. Yep. And so now yep. they're 
afraid to fail. And when you're afraid to fail, you don't take the risks that allow you to succeed. That's why we don't want to do that. And it's so interesting because I just want to make one other point, which is if you think about the Seattle and the Microsoft communities and these other communities, not only does this have the power to help children succeed on a one-by-one basis and get them their homework done, we're talking about social justice here. We're talking about social restructuring. We're talking about the power of words to overcome some of the social injustices of economic realities. That's some powerful stuff. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And these are our future leader that we're embodying all these things. And we need these leaders and we need these leaders from every economic sector because we need to have a balanced society where we're raising everybody up. And that kind of thinking, it's going to turn on your kids. It's going to enable them to turn on other people. And it's also not bound by just what school you go to. We can do this everywhere. We can empower our children. Absolutely. We have a little bit of time left. I want to know about any new projects that you are starting up, any programs so that the listeners can reach out to you. Absolutely. So you can always find me at realtimeparenting.com. I teach in schools. So if you want to have me come to your school, I'm in the Los Angeles area. I'm always open and happy to do that or come speak at any other groups. Also, I have a program that I created for people who are not in LA called the 30-Day Family Reset. And it takes parents through, it's really like everything, <laughs> like everything. And it's awesome. And about 15, 20 minutes a day, and you can do it in 30 days, you can do it in a year, you can do it however long you want. And it takes you through all of the five hand-in-hand tools, plus much, much more to how to tackle homework and aggression and sibling issues and handle meltdowns and tantrums. Do you get a smarter, wonderful kid on the other end? How to instill this growth, growth mindset. Like we talk about just so much in that. And then also parents can work with me individually, private sessions. If you want, there's some blog articles on my website and there's also tons of blog articles and wonderful information on the handinhandparenting.org website. Also fantastic stuff there. They have a wealth of information. I do do often some Facebook live classes that I'm starting to do. And I'm also going to be coming out with a podcast. So we can always uh, check that out. That's awesome. When you have your podcast, we'll have to plug that too. Have you come back? Awesome. Thank you. I would love to. I'm so excited about the work you're doing. And thank you. I Parents need support. We are expected to be able to ace this job and we get no manual for it. I mean, you get a better manual with your iPhone, I always say. Yeah, so, yeah. And that's a three-page leaflet with pictures. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Parents need support. It's not our fault. It's not our kids' fault when things go wrong. It's just information we don't have. And information is power. And that information is available for you if you want it. Yep. It's really important for parents to reach out. The resources are here. Yeah. All of the resource information is in the show notes. You can go down there, the links and everything. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Abigail. So, And thank you, listeners. Always be learning and always be growing. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, Go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.